Hey friends, thanks for joining me on this episode 8 of the Unsunday show. It means a lot to me that you're here. What do you think of that little funky bass intro, that bass guitar intro that I have going there? I, I'm growing more and more fond of it every time I hear it. It sounds, at least a little toward the end, it sounds a lot like the uh, the theme from the old Seinfeld series. And I'm certainly okay with that. But the more I listen to that little theme song, the more I, the more I enjoy it. I kind of find myself sitting here rocking out with it. Hey, this episode, episode 8, I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm bringing across one of my old episodes from my old Ecclesia podcast from about two years ago. Ecclesia is, of course, the Greek word that's most often translated church in our New Testaments, and I think that's a really bad translation. And part of what we're going to be doing and what we've done a little bit of on the End Sunday show is, is flesh out why I think that that is a bad translation. As I'm bringing over that episode from my old Ecclesia podcast, it's an episode that Susan, my wife, joins me on as we talk about our journey out of institutional church, our journey out of institutional Christianity or institutional religion, however you want to word that, and a journey back toward Ecclesia. So it's a journey out of church and back to Ecclesia. And like I mentioned, that story is, you know, it was a couple of years ago, and so we could certainly update it today, but I wanted to... I wanted to present it to you. I wanted to put it out here so that we would have it as a springboard for discussion to be able to fall back on at some point if we ever need to. Plus, it has some good information about Susan and I's story, about our crash and burn, and about our coming out of the institutional church setting into a more authentic experience, the experience that we have today. And so it's a really good fit for the End Sunday show, and I hope that you find a lot of encouragement from it. Hey, just as a side note, since we're talking about my wife joining me on this, Susan and I do have another podcast. We podcast together on the Grace Cafe podcast. If you're interested in uh, sliding over there and taking a look at the Grace Cafe podcast, we would appreciate it. You'll find us there. We've Susan and I have been podcasting for about four years. In fact, it'll be four years. It's four years this month, this month of March, that we've been podcasting. And the Grace Cafe podcast is a podcast that we've had active for, I don't know, about a year, maybe a little more than a year. Prior to that, we were podcasting in another venue that we have since uh, shut down. But we've been doing this a while, and it's it's unique because it's, you know, a husband and wife team doing podcasts. You don't see that out there a lot, at least not in the Christian world that I've found. So if you're interested, take a look at the Grace Cafe podcast and subscribe and tell us what you think. But without any further delay, here's that podcast from our old Ecclesia podcast, episode five, from about two years ago, where Susan and I talk about our journey, our story, and our journey out of institutional Christianity. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, today I want to talk to you a little bit about my story and our story. Susan is with me today. Want to say hi? Hi. There's Susan saying hi. <laughs> I don't know what to say other than hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> well, I'm sure as this unfolds, you'll, you'll find things to say. I asked Susan to join me today because our journey together has been one that has taken us out of the institutional church setting. That movement away from the institutional church setting, when I say that, I want you to, I want you to be aware that it wasn't intentional. It isn't like we woke up one day and, and thought to ourselves, man, we need to we need to abandon the institutional church and go do something radically different. That isn't what occurred at all. In fact, in the uh, 
in the midst of this happening, we weren't sure, we didn't even know what was happening. It didn't, for a long time, it didn't even enter our minds that uh, this is what would take place. And yet the Holy Spirit, through, uh, through time, through circumstances, drew us out of that institutional church setting. And I also want to say that we don't have anything bitter to say about the institutional church setting. We just want to talk about our journey. We want to ask honest questions along the way, and that's what this podcast is for, just to ask honest questions along the way about why we did things that we did within the institutional church setting. And of course, I'm speaking as a former pastor in those settings, and Susan as a former pastor's wife in those settings. And so, you know, just to be able to have conversations about what goes on there and why we did what we did and some of the... uh, some of the bad stuff that came out of that, you know, some of these situations, some of the problems that arose with a top-down authority structure in that kind of a setting. And we want to flesh those answers out. We want to ask those questions and talk about that. You know, there are those out there that are just really bitter towards the institutional church setting. We're not that way. We love Christ's ecclesia. There's a lot of toxicity out there when some folks talk about the institutional church uh, model, the institutional church setting. But that's not us, and I hope we never come across that way. Yeah, and it has been a process. I know that you came out first of the church. (laughs) 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 And... um, yeah, and but you didn't pressure me. You know, I just really appreciate your patience. And, and that's what I really hope that people can come away with, too, is being patient with people around them, with their spouse, if they're not in the same place. Because uh, I, I didn't feel like I could walk away from that. I felt like that was where, where I was supposed to be on Sunday mornings. So I would look up web pages and you know, read stuff about a church or hear from somebody. And, and I'd say, I'm going to go visit this. And you would say, I'll go with you. And you didn't pressure me not to go. You didn't complain about going. You didn't have to go. You just volunteered. And I needed that because emotionally I wasn't in a good place. And then you would support me when we came home. <laughs> you would, you know, help me get to bed and medicate if I here, needed to. <laughs> here, here's your Ativan. <laughs> But, you know, I, I just have this heightened sensitivity to the bullying that tends to come be, from behind the pulpit in the area, in the churches that we visited. And I I can't take that. And I don't think it's right. And I think, I just think it hurts people. And it hurts, it's hurt, it hurts uh, the church. It hurts at the ecclesia. Yeah. Remember that one church that we visited, it wasn't in this town, it was in a different location. We, we, you know, you wanted to, to go find a place to go on Sunday, and we were thinking at the time about possibly relocating to this area. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> oh my. you know, combing the uh, websites, of course, every, every, you know, institutional church has a website out there to grab your attention, and you found this one, and you know we looked it over, and it it looked really good, you know, as far as institutional churches go. Well, you know, it talked it said, about the gospel, right? It talked about Jesus. I think that's become a catchphrase. It has gospel centered is a catchphrase. Yeah. You've got to learn to read through it. <laughs> but this was three years ago. Yeah, and so you know we were looking at this, thinking, well, this looks promising. You know, maybe we could try this. And it said gospel centered. You know, all about grace and the gospel and Jesus, and and so we went, 
And uh, just before the service started, we're sitting there, and, and the lead pastor comes up and says hi and introduces himself. Seemed like a nice guy. You know, asked us a little bit about us, and we said, well, we're from Arizona. You know, we're just visiting. And I mentioned to him, I said, I really liked your website because it had so much stuff there about being gospel-centered and about Jesus, you know, being the uh, the focus of the church. And that's back when we still use the, when I still use the word church to describe what was going on, and I guess many others still do. But anyway, I'll never forget, he kind of gave us a blank stare, and he goes, <laughs> what do you mean? And this poor guy didn't know anything about what was on the, his church's website. He didn't put it there. He didn't understand what it meant because when we, when we mentioned, well, it says you know gospel centered, you know Christ centered, grace oriented. He, you know, his response. I don't remember exactly what it was after that, but he, his, his response was kind of shrugging his shoulders and going, "Huh." That should have been a, a yeah, sign. Yeah, should have been an indication leave. to get up and go. But we stayed, and yeah. Boy, when it was <laughs> over, I wanted to stand up and say, "Run!" <laughs> oh yeah, there was some really horrible stuff that said yeah. in there. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's just the things that we ran across. And I think it's pretty, you know, especially when you get into larger churches, it's pretty typical. Yeah, it is. It can be. But as far as our journey goes, you know, we've we've talked about our journey a number of times on our other podcast. And so just to kind of give you the abbreviated version, we won't start, you know, in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's going back a little too far. But let's start around... Um, say 2007 or so, because I have been a pastor on pastoral teams for a number of years in different church settings. I've, you know, I've been in conservative Baptist. I've been in charismatic. Elder, pastor, same thing. Same, same thing, yeah. I've, I've been directly involved in planning at least two of those churches that I can remember. And, you know, so I've got some experience under my belt with that. And around 2007, I really started to question some things. There wasn't, there wasn't anything uh, really terrible going on in our lives at the time. You know, there wasn't sin involved. There wasn't any kind of immorality or anything like that going, going on. I just started to question why I was doing what I was doing because I was jumping through an awful lot of hoops and I was getting tired. And I was seeing some hypocrisy that would begin to show behind closed doors, which wasn't allowed to get out from behind those closed doors. And I really started to question some things that were happening in, in my own life. And I remember saying to you on more than one occasion on a Sunday morning as we're driving to the Sunday event, you know, that we call church, that I would say out loud to you, you know, I, I'm really starting to question why we're doing something, why we're driving over here to do something that we can do in our living room. Which used to scare me because I found my, I was, I had found my identity and being the wife of one of the elder pastors of that church. And I was finally being accepted, so to speak. And so it scared me when you started saying things like that. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Absolutely. But I just want to, I want to put a little asterisk by that and say too that when I'm talking about doing what I'm doing in my living room, I, I'm, I wasn't then. And I'm not now uh, suggesting a house church. That's not what I'm doing. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit more as as this moves on. Right. But that isn't that isn't where my mind was going. I was just at the time questioning, why am I spending my time doing this? And I wish we would have just done it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I really do. It would have saved, saved a lot of pain. But 
Uh, there is a there is a a path that we're on, and that's that's what happened. Yeah. So along about early two thousand nine or so, right around in there, late two thousand eight, uh, some things were happening in my own life, and I felt compelled to stop pastoring, to stop, to step down from that position that I was in, and so I did. And we kind of, you know, went through the holidays without me on that, uh, on that, in that pastoring position, which really freed up a lot of my time, you know, as far as counseling and, you know, things that I'm doing on top of working a full-time job, because I need to say that I've always worked a full-time secular job as I've, uh, shepherded churches, just so I'm not a burden to the, you know, the, to those churches, to those fellowships. And, you know, being able-bodied and, and, you know, having some skills outside of uh, a religious experience, I've, I've always worked a uh, secular job as I do now. You know, just getting so tired of trying to, you know, keep all these balls in the air and kind of keep all the plates spinning and keep and continuing to jump through the hoops and really wearing masks to give the impression uh, that I was something that I wasn't. Because what was expected of me in that setting was that I, I be infallible, that I be right, theologically right, that I be uh, a person who's got it all together so that I can counsel the poor people that don't have it all together. And so to, to constantly give this impression to other people that I had, I had it together when I knew inside I didn't have anything together, things began to crumble for me. And it was about that time that you broke your ankle and uh, that you found yourself isolated as well. And I was busy off, you know, doing other things in the church, and we weren't getting a lot of time together, you and I. And you were spending a lot of alone time uh, nursing your ankle. And I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit, kind of how that led up to to your crash and burn in in 2009. Yeah, God used that. I began to question whether or not I was a Christian, because I was so exhausted from living up to others' expectations. And, you know, I used to say, well, what I thought their expectations were, but let's put it, there, there were expectations. There are expectations when you're in, when you're in that position. And I, I just, it, I didn't have this sin going on like you were talking about. You know, I didn't have this morality sin going on somewhere or whatever. I was just really questioning if I could be a believer because I didn't, I couldn't keep looking like everyone wanted me to look. I couldn't live that way. And so my exit from the church actually, you know, I didn't, I didn't go back to that church, but I also walked away from the faith because, and I didn't walk away from, I, I never stopped believing that Jesus existed, that Jesus died for sin. I just didn't believe he died for me. I didn't believe I could live up to his expectations anymore. And, um, you know, and that I was a big disappointment to him. And when the leadership talked to me, they kind of confirmed that, that I was a disappointment and that I wasn't living up to it. And I better get, I better get better. Even though I had been diagnosed with severe depression, I better, you know, straighten up and, so I just walked away. Long pause. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's just weird. That's just what happened. Well, let's talk about the depression a little bit, because what happened is 
Let's fast forward just a little bit to uh, Valentine's Day of 2009, because we call that the Valentine's Day Massacre. That's our uh, phrase for it. We went out and had a, a Valentine's dinner together. I was in a different city at the time, taking care of my dad, who uh, was, ha- was having a lot of health problems. And you came there to visit me, and we went out to Valentine's dinner together. And following that, we had about a five-hour conversation when everything kind of came to a head. And we both started just kind of pouring out how we felt, you especially. You were telling me that you you were tired of jumping through these hoops. You were tired of performing. Uh, you said on one of our other podcasts that uh, you as an introvert were required to act like an extrovert, you know, in the institutional church setting. And that's part of what made you crash and burn. But in, in 09, you know, at Valentine's Day, or on Valentine's Day, when we had that five-hour conversation after dinner, that's when we both really hit the wall. That's when we really crashed and burned, and the crash and burn to both of us came to light. That's when, even though our journeys were separate at the time, and in a way, you know, you, you with your depression, I was trying to perform better and better and better, and then, you know, realized I couldn't and stepped down from pastoring in that, in that kind of a setting. And we both kind of came together on that uh, Valentine's Day and just spilled our guts. We just talked about our hearts and what the, what God was doing at the time. Yeah, and some of it's just really a blur because when you're when you're in a really dark place, dates and times and sequence of events are very blurry because everything is just dark. And so for me, when you know. I know the one thing I do remember is Valentine's Day because <laughs> that turned out to be a whopper. But I, I can remember after telling you everything I felt and after saying, I'm not going to go back to church, I remember this huge burden gone off my shoulders. It was like, it was like I was, okay, this is who I am. Bring it, you know? This is who I am. I, I'm not doing this anymore. And they brought it, and it hurt. But, you know, it was a relief to say, I'm not going back. It was a chance for you to be honest for the first time in a long time. Very honest. And and it wasn't, um, and I should have shut up a lot of times, but it wasn't my, once I came back to the faith, once I, you know, the Holy Spirit gave me my security again and reminded me that I was loved, then we started looking for a place to go. And we, that's when we ended up at a, at a um, Acts 29 church for about three years. Yeah. That, so that wasn't my exit from the institutional church. Right. That was my exit from Christianity. Yeah. That was your exit from Christianity. And, you know, we ended up leaving that uh, particular uh, church setting that we were in at the time. But Friends found us because, you know, word got out that, you know, things are going on with Mike and Susan over here. Yeah. And so, you know, some some people came around us that actually brought good news, that brought the gospel. And, you know, one of your friends uh, that, that showed up, you know, in a very timely uh, moment when you were pretty much curled up and not doing anything at all. Yeah, was, I, actually, go ahead. I, I was curled up on the bed where, where I spent most of my time. And the phone rang, and I don't know why the phone was in our room. This is before cell phones, <laughs> or before, yeah. Um, and I answered it, 
and I wasn't answering the phone. If you remember, you were answering and then you would come to me and say, do you want this person to come over? Do you want to talk to this person? You were, you were like my... I was the gatekeeper. Yeah, you were the gatekeeper. And uh, you were the lion that was surrounding, circling the perimeter for me. <laughs> and I answered it and it was a friend from the past and she just... And I told her I wasn't a believer. I didn't think I was a believer. And she just shared the gospel. And that that woman can preach the gospel more than any other woman I know. And it was pretty, you know, at that point, it gave me a glimpse. I, re- I remember you sharing things with me that she told you, things like, um, you're in the best of places right now because, you know, there's nothing you need to do. Right. Because everything's already been done for you. Right. And just bringing that message of the fi- of the finality of the cross, how that the forgiveness of sin is complete and final, and that good news that there's nothing you can add to it, there's nothing you can do. You're in the best place of all, you know. Just being able to listen to that message all over again, and hearing that news that you don't have to jump through any hoops, you don't have to. There's there's nothing expected of you. You know, the Father loves you right where you're at, just like you are. He doesn't love a future a future version of you. And that was kind of some of the stuff that uh, she was sharing with you, and it was very healing for you at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, that's a good message. That's Yeah, that's the only message we need to be bringing. So that, I guess that that's my main story right there. You know, and exiting that institutional church, I don't know, that just came. Yeah, because like, like you said, we, we spent a few years in another institutional setting, uh, that was very good for us at the time. Yeah, it that was That we really, really needed good. to hear because, you know, we, we showed up kind of the walking wounded. And uh, several other people showed up shortly after we did. And, you know, the pastor finally asked us, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> Where's everybody coming from? And so, you know, his his response to our story was, well, we're, we're extremely glad you're here. There's, there's nothing you need to do. Just sit here and... and uh, Listen to the gospel. Just just hear about the gospel. Yeah, and I I can remember. I can remember the the song leader wrote most of his own songs, and they were so gospel centered. And the message was he was going through the Book of Mark, and it was so beautiful. And I can just remember crying sometimes during the service because it was just. It was revealing to me a Jesus I had forgotten long ago. You know, that's, that's one of the reasons why when we talk about the institutional church setting and how that we've left it, we're not toxic toward it. No. We're not, we're not down on it. That's not us. We realize, you know, everyone's on their journey and everyone's in a different place on their journey. And some people need that institutional church setting. We did. Yeah. And, you know, Jesus loved us through that and he, he brought us into a different path that you know wasn't really our choosing but in that in that setting you know that was very healing for us because all we heard over and over and over again from every passage that was talked about was it is finished Mm -hmm. that jesus was the only hero of the bible and that you know now that we don't have to do anything at all to to win his favor to win his merit what do you want to do right and you know i keep coming back and thinking I'm not going to say I'm never going back because I used to say I would never leave. 
the institutional church. So who knows what God has for us? I don't know. I can't see into the future. I just know that where I'm at right now, I feel great peace. I'm learning to listen, listen to the Father, listen to the Holy Spirit, have a personal relationship that I feel like He does speak to me. Hmm. Not in an audible voice, but you know, he does guide me. He does reassure me. He He's not letting me go. He ne- When I walked away from the faith, he didn't let me go. Right. I'm so glad. Yeah, me too. Me too. So when I think of the institutional church, I think most of the time you have to embrace a, a certain doctrine, a certain theology that they, you have to sign a paper, you know, saying that you agree, and I know you're going to hit this in another podcast, but... Oh, we can bring it up now. Well, uh, that you agree with everything that they're teaching, and, and I'm not going to do that anymore. I it, I used to just believe whoever was up front, and I would follow whatever they said, that the, that the Bible said, leaving out the fact that I have a personal relationship. You know, now when I sit in quiet, it's not like the quiet time I used to have of old, <laughs> The quiet time where I sat down and had my Bible reading schedule. Had an agenda. Yeah, and which I appreciate it. I, I mean, I did that several times where you read through the Bible, and I think there were some a lot of good things that came from that. But for me, that began to replace the personal relationship. So I had my Bible reading schedule, and then I had my prayer list. And so then I would go through each prayer list. And now it's it's more of just a lot of times it's in the middle of the night or just sitting by myself and talking to God about what I'm feeling, why am I feeling this way, and then sitting in silence and letting him minister to me. Mm. Yeah. It's a lot different kind of quiet time. It doesn't involve reading my Bible because I still have problems with that. I still, when I read it, I still have um, my heart tightens up mm-hmm. because I've been taught so many different things of what it means. Yeah, and and what you said about um, just listening to the, you know, to the to the the pastor up front spewing out whatever it is that uh, that they think you need to believe or be doing or that you need to be hearing, you know, that's so much different than what you're talking about now. Because what you're talking about now is coming into the realization that this Christianity thing is a relationship. It's a relationship with the Father who's nuts about us. It's a relationship with the Father who isn't afraid to get his hands dirty loving us. It's a relationship with the Father to be explored. You know, Paul said, I don't remember where he said it, but he said it somewhere in the New Testament. I can, you know, I can safely say that. <laughs> Paul said, find out what pleases the Lord. Yeah. And I've always wondered, or I used to wonder, I don't always, I don't wonder anymore. But I used to wonder, you know, what, did, what do you mean by that, Paul? Why don't you just tell me what pleases the Lord? But see, that was back in the days when my mind was controlled by the black and whiteness of Scripture. That was back in the day when, not unlike the Pharisees of Jesus' time, I studied the Scriptures because I think that in them I have life. And missing who the Scriptures point to, Jesus. And missing out on the richness of that relationship that's to be explored and to be enjoyed. And so, you know, I would look to Scripture as the black and white answer. Well, what am I to be doing today? Well, let's look at Scripture and find out. Instead of just enjoying 
the father, instead of just enjoying him in that moment, you know, in that day, asking him to join me where I'm at, asking him what he wants me to do, what do you, what, what do you want me to do today? You know, finding out what pleases the Lord in that sense. It's a much richer experience. Well, you know, I would have, back then, I would have said, well, I do that. I do have a relationship. I do commune with him. And I did, on, you mm-hmm. know, on a certain level. It's just different right now. It It's very different. I mean, I know I had sweet times with the Lord. Right. Every, you know, when you're a believer, you do. But now it's just very different. And it's it's hard if you're still there. It's hard for you to understand that. But even the word, the term listening to God, I know sends many a theologian, you know. Scrambling. Scrambling because no. He has spoke through the scriptures and that's it. Um, but, you know, I don't believe that anymore. Yeah. And you get to be you. Yeah. Yes, that's been huge. That has been huge because especially as a woman— in the theological bent that we were, women were subpar. Even though we would say, oh, no, they're not. They just have a different role. The role of being under somebody. Right. <laughs> the, 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 the role of being subpar. <laughs> <laughs> and the role, yeah, the role of being under authority instead of having Jesus be my authority. And my, um, I don't even want to say authority, but he, he does. He has my heart. He has my life in his hands. And I don't have to go go through man to see what I should do. Our, uh, our trek out of the institutional church, let's, let's get back to that just oh, real quick. Sorry. I think, no, no, it's fine. This, <laughs> this is, where is I the wanted, problem with having is, your wife on. <laughs> this is where I wanted this to go. No, this has been great. This has been good conversation. And I just want to add to it here. I don't want to stop it. I just want to add to it. Would you say it was probably... See, we've been in this place for about three years, probably about four years ago, four and a half years ago, maybe five years ago, that our trek out of the institution began as we were we were kind of panicking, looking for something, mm-hmm. you know, because there's this, for me, there's this innate feeling of an obligation to be somewhere on Sunday, to go to an event, to sit through the event, to go home. And to somehow have done my duty or that somehow God is more pleased with me because I participated in this event in me. And I think in a lot of us, if we're honest, there's this sense of duty that that has to be done. Almost urgency. Mm -hmm. If I'm not doing that, I'm somehow letting God down. I'm forsaking the assembling of myself with other people and I'm in sin and I need to get into the institution and I need to be under the authority of of the elders, whatever that means. You know, I've been told that so many times. Did you know that in the New Testament, the the New Testament only talks about authority over someone, except when, you know, when it refers to Jesus himself. It talks about having authority only in reference to the husband-wife relationship, that the husband has authority over his wife's body, and that the wife has authority over her husband's body. That would be a subject for a good podcast in the future, mm. or, or a good blog. Or not. Or not. But... Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking so, but, but, but seriously, yeah, you know, in that institutional setting, there's this built in top down authority structure that we've been told we've been brought up in and that's been hammered into us that this is the way it is. This is the way it is. This is the way it is. And if we start to pull away from that, we feel guilt. We feel shame 
and people will guilt us and shame us and, you know, take scriptures out of context like Hebrews 10, 24, and try and use those against us to say, well, this is, this is what you're doing and it's wrong. You and I have had those conversations with people. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to be under the authority of these leaders over here. And I'm thinking, well, no. <laughs> yeah, over my dead body. <laughs> I just, uh, I can't go back there. It, it There's too much power. There's too much hurt that's going on. That's right. Most of it behind closed doors, but it's going on yeah. all over the place. Yeah. And having been behind those closed doors, you know, I've seen some of that going on. And I can I can tell you this, that in that top-down authority structure, money flows up and power flows down. And, you know, you can't get around that. There's no way around that. There's no wiggle room around that. That's the way it is. That's why, you know, we were we were on a drive yesterday, and we went out again this morning on another drive. And, you know, you see all those sandwich board signs that are on so many corners around here now, you know, advertising, you know, here's our, here's our church on Sunday and, you know, you got to be in here and you go another mile and here's another and you got to be over here and you got to be in here because we're so wired and sensitized to that, that that's true and that that's, uh, that's what uh, Christianity is and that's what our obligation is. And when the Holy Spirit starts to take you on a little different journey and starts to pull you out of that, you know, it upsets people. And it even upsets me somewhat myself because, you know, at least initially I started feeling like, wow, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't leave the institution by choice. Well, I guess we kind of did. But I think the choice came much later. There were some things in the local churches here that happened that uh, kind of were a takeover. One one particular, I don't want to say denomination, but one particular group, you know, took over a lot of other groups in this area and we disagreed with that and and so you know that's that's why we ended up you know pulling out of that but since then trying to find something you know we spent those years like you said you know looking we would go look and we would visit here and we would visit there and you know get yelled at here and and be called thieves over here and just hearing a lot of law everywhere that we went a lot of rules and regulations all geared toward the survival and the life of that particular institution. But can I add no. that <laughs> there's a lot of good going on in some of them. And I remember when I, when I was curled up, not going anywhere and you were getting, I could see you going down because you were just only pretty much getting phone calls about how badly you were handling me and the situation and you needed to repent. And I could see you just going down. And I said, you know what, you need to go somewhere. Even then, even when I wasn't thinking I was a believer, I knew you needed to go get encouraged. <laughs> and that's just weird. But so you did, you, you heard about this we had heard about a long time ago about this church down way down south. It was a long drive, and you went to it. And afterwards, the guy, the pastor, asked you how you were, and you you mentioned something I don't think you want to know. And he he ended up talking to you for forty five minutes, listening to your story and and encouraging you, and just being there mm-hmm. and loving you. And you came home, and and I could see a difference in you. And and we went to lunch, and you sat and you shared stuff, and I. I just was, I was starting to feel hope, hope that there was genuine kindness out there. 
mm-hmm. that maybe maybe it isn't all like what I thought it was. Yeah. And so there is good. There are a lot of guys out there who just love Jesus. Yeah, I mean, we have friends who... <laughs> we have friends. I just want you to know we have friends. No, we have friends who, you know, pastor institutional churches, yeah. and they're still our friends. And, yeah. you know, they, they know the journey that we're on. We know the journey that they're on. And we're not, you know, we're not trying to discredit them or discredit what they're doing in any way at all. We're just relating our story. Mm-hmm. That for us, this is what transpired right. for us. You know, again, we're not, we're not, we don't want to express any toxicity toward, you know, the institutional church setting. It's just that there's a lot of people that the Holy Spirit seems to be drawing out of that. And we want to be there for them. We want to encourage them. We want to remind them that they're not alone. This is happening to millions of people, you know, for, for different reasons. And when it happened to us, you know, it got to a place of, of desperation where, you know, we just couldn't, as we visited places, we just couldn't find something that, you know, pushed us closer to Jesus. We felt like, for the most part, a lot of the institutional settings in our area had had left that, had left the gospel, you know, and, and were on to other things. And that you had to support that institutional setting in order to be there. And we, we found ourselves unable to do that. Yeah, you shared something today on, um, I think, on your Ecclesia, I don't know, your Facebook page or your blog, that that blog by that guy talking about leaving the institution. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and he and his wife left, and I encourage you to go read it, because I'm going to mess it up, but they found that what was encouraging to them was Sunday mornings, instead of going there, they went to coffee and they talked about their faith. Mm-hmm. And I think, and that's what we have found. We have found that we get together with friends and we talk about Jesus and we talk about what's going on in our hearts and learning to be transparent with each other in a way that it feels safe, in a way that someone is going to just let you be you, mm-hmm. let me be me. And sometimes it's not pretty, but that's, I think that's more than, than dissing the institutional church, it's about what's, what is out there that's different, that's available. Yeah, I think what's, what's out there that's more in line with what Jesus intended. And it's not easy to find, and it takes time, and it takes prayer. You know, I, I think, I'm going to use the word church here, and I'll talk about why I don't like that in just a second. But I think that the church that, Jill, that Jesus is building looks a lot different than the churches we, we, we build. I know it looks a lot different than the churches that I built. It looks a lot different than the churches that I planted. The reason why I named this podcast the Ecclesia Podcast is because the word Ecclesia is what's used in the New Testament when Jesus is talking about his assembly. The word Ecclesia means assembly. It means congregation. It doesn't mean institution. You know, in a future podcast, we'll, we'll flesh this out some more. I know I've mentioned it a little bit already, but, you know, I just want to talk about how, um, you know, the, the, just the term church is so institutionalized in our in our thinking. When we think about church, we think about a building. We think about an event. We think about a location. We think about obligation. We think about religious stuff. We think about stained glass windows. We think about candles. You know, all this cluttered up stuff. Or smoke. Yeah, that's right. Uh, fog machines. <laughs> fog hat. Anyway, you know, that's where our mind goes. Is that really what Jesus intended? And so when Jesus is talking about what he's doing, 
when he told Peter, you know, upon this rock I'll build my ecclesia, it looks a lot different than the things that we build out there. And, you know, we tend to institutionalize everything that we get our hands on. And this is just one more of them. So I don't remember where I was going with that, but, you know, the whole idea of feeling obligated to be somewhere on a Sunday event, that's just not us anymore. It, you know, it, it happened slowly, like you said. It happened over a period of time. But we came to realize that, is this really what Jesus wants for us? Is this really where he's taking us? And and the Holy Spirit began to change our hearts, began to open our eyes to some things that we hadn't seen before, hadn't seen very clearly before. And my message that I want to get out on this is that if the Holy Spirit has got you on a journey where he's moving you out of that institutional setting into something that is, is more authentic, that seems more real, where you get to be you and you get to be real with other people, then I want to encourage you in that. I don't want to discourage you in that. I want to encourage you in that. I want you to be encouraged, and I want you to know that you're not alone. There's a lot of good resources out there, you know, that address these issues. And if that's what the Holy Spirit has you on that journey, then, man, I hope that we can be a resource for you. Well, there you have it. There's our story. There's our journey, a story about our journey out of institutional Christianity into what I think is a more authentic experience that we have going on today as far as both community goes and what the ecclesia is. I want to remind you, too, that you can find me online with the Unsunday show at unsunday.com. There's a contact form there. If you'd like to reach out to me, I'd like to hear from you. I'd enjoy hearing a little bit of your story and having a chance to interact with you a little. So, again, that's unsunday.com. Feel free to slide on over there and punch in that URL, unsunday.com, and let me know what you think. So until next time, bye.